as an entrepreneur or as a salesperson, think about your own clients and think about your own product. What are the signals that I should be researching? Ahoy, and welcome to Come Sell Away, the sales podcast for people that don't like sales. Greetings, friends and family, Come Sell Away listeners, and people that thought they were finding Gary Vanderchuk's podcast. This is Molly here with Come Sell Away, and today we will be talking to someone much more eloquent than I. His name is Lloyd Yip, and he works with Growth Genius, which is a lead generation organization connecting companies with the right target consumers. We know Lloyd because he did a presentation that Mikey saw, loved his enthusiasm, loved his gumption, and what better person than the sales coordinator of Growth Genius to join us here on Come Sell Away. So here we are, Lloyd. Okay, well, hi, Lloyd. Welcome to Come Sell Away. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Glad to be <laughs> Thanks here. Thanks for joining us. Lloyd is here from coming in from Toronto and um, did a presentation uh, with Mikey or in front of Mikey. Both. Of Branch and, Both. Yeah. Met him in Boston, had a great conversation, awesome. went through some ways that he could build out his own business and improve sales there. And then we ended up staying friends and talking once we got back home. So, Right. And yeah. Mikey was hardcore fangirling when you got when he got uh-huh. back, so he wasted no time in connecting you to the cast. And yeah, thanks for joining us. This is great. Of course. Um, okay, so I've yeah, like I said, I've creeped on your LinkedIn. So tell us a bit about what Growth Genius does for those that don't mm-hmm. know. With Growth Genius, our main goal is to help companies who are struggling with their lead generation, and that's frankly a lot of companies because oftentimes you'll have a company that either just doesn't really know where they're getting their leads from or they don't have a sales team so they just can't do enough of what they know they need to do. There's a lot of different reasons, right? But for us, what we want to do is come in and essentially offload all the tasks that you typically you need to do yourself to generate interesting sales conversations. We have the tools, we have the process, we have the people, we have the technology that allows us to do it on your behalf, generally in a more efficient way, both in terms of time and in terms of how much it costs for you to generate those sales meetings. So the end result, obviously, is just can we get you more meetings with who you want to sell into? The process, that's a little bit more sophisticated, but no need to dive into that and bore everyone. <laughs> no, are you kidding? That's what we want. Um, well, I can tell just now from your answer that that is so well articulated. That's not the first time you've answered that question and that you, you are in the sales world in a real way. What do you mean by interesting sales conversations? Right. That's a good question. And for every single business, there are people that are probably not going to be a great fit for them. And then there are going to be folks that are a great fit for them, right? We'd love to sell to everyone, but frankly, most of our companies don't have products or services that fit every single person. So an interesting sales conversation is a combination of someone who actually will benefit from what you do and someone who actually is likely to buy, whether it be because the timing is correct for them or because they actually have the dollars to spend. If they're missing one of those things and either they're going to be an unhappy customer that didn't see any value and they're going to complain or they're just going to waste your time because they're never going to buy it anyways. 
We want to find new conversations with people that are all of those things. And how, and what's the best way, there's a lot of approaches to identify that. So if you're starting a conversation with someone, what's one of those red, red light, green light, sort of yellow light things? What, at what yeah. point do you turn around? And at what point is it, this is going to be someone I want to keep talking to? Mm -hmm. So you can start at a high level and then move your way on down, right? At a high level, if you look at the people that you are already serving today, assuming you have clients, of course, it's different question if you don't. But if you do, you can generally see some trends like what industry are they generally in? How big are they normally? What is the role of the person that you first spoke to or the person who ended up signing on the dotted line if that's a part of your process? Generally, these trends will tell you who you should continue to speak with going forward. I mean, I can use our own company as an example. Generally, we like to work with younger companies because younger companies generally have more problems when it comes to lead generation. We want to work with teams that don't have many salespeople because if they have a big sales team already, they probably also don't have the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, these are just a few signals. So my challenge to any entrepreneur is think about your own company and what are the signals that you generally see as being an indicator that a company will either have a problem that you can solve or will be interested in the solution that you're bringing, all of these things. So that's the first layer, and this is more macro, right? Of course, there are certain things that you can only know once you're on a phone call with someone or on a conversation with someone, whether or not they have budget or whether or not the timing is correct. You're not gonna know that stuff until you jump on a call, but that is kind of like the second layer of qualification, if you can call it that. In the sales industry, we call that qualifying a client. We try to understand if they fit all the qualifications that we need for them to be a good fit. Um, and then we get them out of our pipeline as quick as possible if they are not a good fit, right? So that you don't need to waste your time chasing pigeons or whatever. But hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely does. And we've talked about this with a couple different people on the cast before that a no is valuable in a way because at least mm -hmm. you know you just need to move forward. But I have not heard the phrase qualifying a client, which I really like because... Yeah, you don't want to pursue someone that maybe has two of the five things that you are kind of looking for. Exactly. And then, like you said, maybe they'll end up being an unhappy customer in the end. So it's mm -hmm. worth it. What is your preferred method of reaching out to these people then? Do you, do you mostly do cold calls? Do you do, I know you go in and do presentations. Do you do all the above? Yeah, yeah. So I have a pretty diverse mix. The nice thing about working where I work in Growth Genius is that literally what we do is lead generation. So for the most part, the leads that I get are generated for me by the tools and services that we have. So oftentimes I'll just wake up and there'll be like three or four people that are emailing me saying like, hey, Loyal, would love to chat. And I didn't do anything. It's just because the company managed nice. <laughs> yeah. But I would say my personal favorite channels of generating leads is through uh, social media. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post a lot of content. It's not salesy content, it's helpful content. I do a lot of informational videos about my perspective on sales. It's the same reason why I wanna be on this podcast, because frankly, if I can position myself as a thought expert, then oftentimes people reach out to me. And right. those conversations are actually more smooth because they already trust who I am and the insight that I provide based off of them having seen my videos in the past. So that's a really great method. Um, another method that I am also quite passionate about speaking on is cold calling. People say cold calling is dead. It's not dead. And frankly, if you are unable to give a very concise and compelling pitch within 30 seconds, which is what a cold call really is, um, then 
you're probably not going to be able to sell the product very well on a longer pitch. So even if it isn't a great lead generation mechanism, which it is, <clears throat> you should still do it anyways because it's just great practice as a salesperson or as an entrepreneur so that you can develop the muscle to truly you know, pronunciate what you do in a very concise and compelling manner. I agree. That's a good skill to have and something that I'm continually working on. And uh, as Ghost Ranch began, uh, when it first began, I had a hard time answering the question of what do you do sort of thing, especially when it's if you wear many hats or if, if it can fit into multiple things. But once you nail that down, you sound more confident and then other people kind of absorb amoeba off of that as well. Yeah, we can try to even play a game. Because um, I want to help the audience get more tactical and understand how they can position themselves. So why don't you give me your existing pitch, your your elevator pitch, and then I can okay. kind of rip off of that and try to help you come up. With yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to give this sort of like in a ghost ranch sort of way, and like the less of me, I suppose. So talking about ghost ranch first, and then me second, um, and we can always change it to be more. Mm -hmm. customer or whatever but just for the sake of communicating ghost ranch i guess but um okay so i would say something like if you have a story we can help you tell it ghost ranch communications provides the art for storytelling with sales materials presentation design graphic design and custom branded content for your company we're super scrappy which means that we've got lots of uh lots of manpower but lots of flexibility in order to make exactly whatever the brand vision is come to life and it only makes that story that much more meaningful okay cool and i like how it was concise you probably fit that within 30 seconds that's good mm -hmm. um my philosophy on pitches in general is that you really want to understand exactly what the client will get out of mm -hmm. the partnership or the relationship. If I'm listening to your sales pitch, I want to completely 100% understand why it'll make my day-to-day -day better. Mm -hmm. So I think with your sales pitch just now, it can be inferred, but generally it was based around a lot more of what you do rather than why I should care. Okay, yeah. we got to talk about the problem. Exactly. Exactly. And also connecting the problem to what you're able to solve. Okay. So why don't we reverse engineer this? Because I think mm -hmm. we can do this a little bit better. In your, in your words, who, who are you helping? Actually. We are sales enablers. Um, so we're helping connect um, the sales and the marketing team often. We're the, we're the gap that people often don't have in their agency. So that's like, you know, the salespeople need a bunch of materials, but then the marketers want it to look a certain way. So it's like we're connecting those things because a lot of people just don't have the capacity in-house. So I think the problem is that gap for whether it's a big agency, whether it's a small startup that doesn't have the, have the bandwidth at all, um, because we've certainly done a lot of different sizes and stuff too. Interesting. That's very helpful. So you're helping uh, sales and marketing teams generate collateral that enables them to create more sales. Yeah, exactly. So sales between, through presentation design is is you know the the medium and then enabling the sales teams to do better to perform better to connect with better leads that is the the problem that we're solving right but the obstacle that they have right now is that 
sales needs material and marketing can't create it. Am I understanding this right? Yes. So oftentimes what we'll see is like we're talking to the uh, sales team or the marketing team, depending on what side it comes through. And they, they'll go, they'll ask us to do something and then, and then they'll come back and be like, okay, marketing needs it this way. Actually, we need to just fix a few things, blah, blah, blah. And so we're, we're the medium that they're using to like bridge that gap essentially. So oftentimes sales want something and the marketing either is too busy or they don't. Yeah. So either they don't. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, they, cause they kind of have different goals in, in a lot of ways, but being able to see the, where those things align and then how much more efficient it can make them is kind of where we come in. Okay, cool. So why don't I give you my mm -hmm. version of a sales pitch on mm -hmm. Ghostwriter's okay. behalf and you can tell me if you like it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. So with Ghost Ranch, we're trying to enable sales teams and marketing teams to generate more sales. Sales as a department is very reliant on having amazing collateral, such as decks and PowerPoint presentations. But oftentimes when they need to update it or when they need something really amazing, they're relying on marketing and marketing is usually too busy. They're often not being able to communicate what they need to be in a slide. And because of that, they're getting decks too slow or the decks are just not good. And because of that, they're not getting the sales that they want. They're not able to communicate the correct story to their clients. So Ghost Ranch, our goal, and what we've actually been able to build is a way for sales and marketing to much better understand each other and for us to significantly improve the rate at which you can get really, really high quality sales collateral into the hands of salespeople in a way which is beautiful, matches their brand, and allows them to tell their story. This way, marketing is less stressed and sales can actually have the collateral that allows them to sell more and that is exactly what we've built our process to do. End, end pitch. Bam. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Well, first of all, it was so natural. And then also I loved how you, how in the end you saved sort of where I began with the storytelling thing. You're like, oh, and we do this in a way that's really beautiful and it's on brand and it looks awesome. And that's why, that's why we get, that's why we were successful. So I liked that a lot. <laughs> make that more concise because I, I just made that up on the, on the Well, slide. yeah, and yeah. And but, it, <laughs> but generally the structure is, and it's not that I just like made that up. It's because I follow a general structure whenever I'm helping any client better communicate what they do. And the first thing is, tell me about the world and what problem that audience within the world is going through. So in your mm -hmm. case, I talked about, well, we believe that sales and marketing is really important and that collateral is really important, right? So that's the world we're setting. We're kind of like setting the scene here, mm -hmm. but then we start realizing, Oh, there's a problem here. The problem is that for this to be done properly, sales and marketing really needs to communicate and they are struggling to do that right now. So it's almost like a movie. Think about it like a movie where you first set the scene and then ooh, antagonist comes in. There's a problem. <laughs> there has right? to be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's a problem. And you talk about, okay, what is the consequence of this problem? Well, the consequence of the problem in your case is because they aren't communicating effectively, then the collateral is not getting to the hands of the salespeople and that's causing them to not close as many deals as they would like to. Mm -hmm. And now they're frustrated with each other and they're at each other's throats. Right. Mm -hmm. So what is the solution? How does the protagonist in the movie overcome? Well, the protagonist in the movie overcomes using, I don't know, some sort of plot device or they have uh, a solution or they meet a friend that'll help them in their journey. Well, the friend here is you. It's Ghost Ranch, right? And you're the solution to the problem. 
and you come in like a knight in shining armor and <laughs> you are able to do whatever it is that you do to save the day. That's perfect. Yeah. Right? I think in our case, it'd be sort of like the cowboy on the ghost ranch because we're yeah. all about the little desert storytelling thing. So exactly. I'm just envisioning that in an illustration. Exactly. <laughs> but you're making, you're making the client the hero of the story. Because mm -hmm. the client is the sales and the marketing team, and they're the ones that are going through the problems, but they are at the focal point of the story. What companies often make a mistake on is that they make themselves the hero. They make themselves the focal point of the story. Frankly, the client doesn't care too much about who you are. They don't really care about you. They care about themselves. So if you come in on your high horse as a cowboy and you're like, oh, look at me, I can do this, da 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 da, da. in their mind, it's like, well, I mean, what about me? You know, I'm, I'm the hero here. I'm supposed to be the, like, I care about myself more so. So that's why this structure works well, because you're really placing them into the focal point of the story. And you are only coming in as like, almost like a tool that they can use to put themselves into a better place. That's impactful. That helps. That really helps. I'm, I love that sort of three act structure as well. Do you, I'm curious to know, like, how do you cater how do you cater your pitch per who you're talking to? Like depending on if it's, yeah, someone that you've like worked with before or I don't know, like, yeah. I don't, like depending on which kind of cold call it could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, a cold call, I, I can talk a little bit more about cold calling later in because yeah. the cold call is very different. I don't even consider the cold call a pitch at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if I was truly to just do a pitch to someone and I wanted to tailor it based off who that person is, then I will use the exact same structure that I told you about earlier, but I just changed the hero of the story to that specific person. Mm, so okay. in the general pitch, I was going through uh, how a sales and marketing team could potentially see value in Ghost Ranch. But let's say I'm talking to a marketer. Let's say I'm talking to a product marketer specifically, which is who I imagine you're selling into. Then I would say like, okay, you're a product marketer. Do you feel like your sales team is always coming to you to generate better collateral, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll say yes, and maybe I'll ask like, well, I mean, how much time do you normally put into yours, into your collateral? How much time do you normally put into the decks? Do you find the decks really, really important? And maybe they'll say yes, maybe they'll say no, but what they're gonna start telling me is more about their own personal experience within their work that is obviously somewhat relevant to you. Mm -hmm. Once I have a little bit more of that personal background, let's say this person is saying, yeah, salespeople always come to me. They're always asking for more decks and I try, but like, I'm super busy and sometimes they don't like the decks that I make. The pitch now is like, well, what if you no longer need to worry about generating all these sales decks, but salespeople also will have all the sales decks that they need to create amazing conversations and tell amazing stories about your brand. And what if all of the credit is still going back to you, even though you're not really doing anything? Would that be cool? Yeah. So to a product marketer, that's pretty compelling mm -hmm. because now I'm putting it into a perspective where they can completely relate to. It's no longer just about sales and marketing and aggregate, it's now about them. Of course, I'll flesh out a little bit more detail about how Ghost Ranch would do that and what it is that you do, but the problem being related to them personally is how you can actually create a story which is uniquely tailored to an individual. In the same way, if you're talking to a salesperson, then it would be about what if you could generate, what if you could just have all the decks that you need without needing to wait for marketing? Would that be amazing, right? Or if you're talking to a VP of sales, it would be focused more around 
What if your sales marketing team aligns better and your marketing team isn't so angry at sales all the time and vice versa and you overall make more sales, right? So every single stakeholder is going to have a difference in terms of what they care about. Mm -hmm. So if you can start there, if you can understand what each of these stakeholders care about and then you can make it super tailored to that, then you'll be on your way of making something a lot more concise and particular to that individual. Yeah, I think maybe some people have that that golden pitch and maybe they get married to it sort of thing. And certainly I've been less in these sort of situations where I'd say maybe the same thing about Ghost Ranch over and over, but that's really, you know, if I was, if I was trying to like sell someone, it's not necessarily going to help them if I'm not tailoring right. to what they, what their day-to-day life looks like. Like you, that was the first thing you said to me. You're like, well, how is this going to help my day-to-day? And maybe that's a good guiding to like build your pitch towards. Exactly. And, and obviously there's limitations. If you're on stage and talk to a hundred people, those hundred people are going to care about different things. So, I mean, have your general pitch down mm-hmm. and the pitch that I made with you is like definitely more general, but I mean, if someone's like, you know, meeting you for the first time at a networking event and you're actually talking to them and you might have them for five to 10 minutes, then yeah, like ha- have a bit more of a unique and tailored conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a time and a place for one-to-one stuff and there's a time and a place for one-to-many stuff. No one to use it. Mm-hmm. And don't, yeah, don't get married to a single pitch because mm-hmm. you may find that certain situations will call for a certain pitch. Definitely. Do you want to talk about cold calling again? Yeah. Let's do it. I, I love talking about cold calling. Okay. Yeah. Like personally, I don't enjoy the act of cold calling because frankly, it gets to, it's mostly voicemails at this point, but yeah. I, I love it because A, if you can do it, then you can sell. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the best way for someone to learn how to sell because it doesn't give you much time. You mm-hmm. have to do it. Um, but I, I also love just, it's almost like a problem. It's like a Rubik's cube, right? And you're kind of just trying to like figure out in a very short amount of time what the motivations are of the person on the other end. You're hearing their vocal tonality and hearing, okay, this person realistically is only going to give me 20 more seconds. So I have to make this 20 seconds count. You're hearing objections on the fly and you have to deconstruct those objections and overcome them if possible. You're faced with a lot of problems in a very short amount of time that you have to solve quickly. So that's why I like cold calling. The process of cold calling is a super big pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. So I don't, I don't do it too, too much anymore, but frankly, as, as a practice, it's very good for any founder. Any salesperson. Okay. Good to, yeah. And what we, and I mean, I'm definitely like an extroverted personality and you see that too. So I don't have an issue talking to strangers, but what I hate, cause I've done some door to door fundraising in the past as well. And um, you learn the structure and like how to, and the first thing you need to say to people before, like, going, you know, again, like make it about them sort of thing and present the problem. But, um, but the thing I hate is pushing someone mm-hmm. when maybe they're already and of course you got to look for the red light, like when you're just wasting time and you need to hang up or walk away from the door. 100%. But I hate feeling like I'm imposing on someone. So how do you, how do you work past that? Especially if someone maybe is a good fit and like they'd be yeah. a green light otherwise. Yeah. So that's an interesting question. And the way that I approach cold calling is that, well, my mindset, A, is that I'm here to help. So yeah. it's my duty to try to help you because I'm trying to be like a good human being. Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange mindset. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> if, I tru- if I truthfully feel that what I am providing is of value, then I'm doing that person a favor by calling them because mm-hmm. I could be the reason why next year they make hundred thousand dollars more 
mm-hmm. which yeah. obviously is going to help them feed their family and put um, food on the table and whatever. So <laughs> yeah, you're changing that, the world. <laughs> yeah, that's the mindset that I want to have. But in terms of the way this kind of expresses itself in the conversation, um, I, I never want to hard sell. I want them to always understand that it's their choice whether or not they want to have the conversation. And I'll always try to make sure that they're telling me that they're interested in talking before I force them to move to a next step, right? Um, so, I mean, my, my approach to cold calling is quite different for that reason, because I think a lot of cold callers, especially if you're in a very transactional business, like you're selling, I don't know, what's the, what's the most transactional thing I can think of that people would cold call you about? Um, uh, like, I don't know, selling knives or something. Like, yeah. just, for Cutco knives is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what you did door to door. I've too. But, like, those are, like, super transactional, and it's it's got this, like, reputation of being, um, like, super salesy. But, I mean, we both work in an environment where it's more B2B, and it's generally a more consultative sales process. Mm-hmm. So you can't just, like, try to push it down someone's throat. You need to be a little bit more conversational and truly understand what it is that they're going through um, for them to actually uh, buy your product. So uh, the best, the easiest thing that we should probably do is just like do, do a role play, I think. Cause I can explain okay. to you why I will ask yeah. my line of questions the way okay. that I do, but it, it's always easier to just role play. So yeah, exactly. Why, why, don't I, <laughs> why don't, why don't you be the cool caller first and then okay. I'll, I'll be the, you know, the recipient and then we can, switch and what do you want me to what should we be selling we can sell you we can sell ghost ranch okay yeah because yeah, you know um, how to do that so i'll be what what who am i gonna be who is your typical uh client um let's say you're yeah let's say you're a product marketer i guess like okay. we were talking about um sure. i'll be a product marketer i don't know yeah should i give you more of that should we do a backstory no, no, that's fine that's fine i mean like how, how big of a company am i working for how many uh, yeah okay tell me some of those things let's say that you are working for a big company but mm-hmm. um with like too many there's not you don't have an in-house design team sure this would be an ideal situation <laughs> yeah, yeah so like i'll i'll be i'll be in the ideal situation i might throw you some curveballs i might not we'll find out exactly right? okay by the way, your question earlier was what things to research. I mean, if you're in Ghost Ranch's position and you're a salesperson, you need to research those things. Mm-hmm. Are they, do they have a design team? Do they have a big marketing team? Exactly. Yeah. So you can, so you can so pinpoint that. Once again, think about your own signals mm-hmm. in the same way that obviously those are, those are the things that you would research. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. Hello. Hi, thanks for answering. I'm Molly and I'm with Ghost Ranch Communications. I'm wanting to talk to you about your marketing and sales teams and setting up some sales enablement opportunities through presentation design. Um, uh, okay, I'm kind of busy, but you have a bit of time. Absolutely, I'll be brief, thank you. So what Ghost Ranch has built is that we've bridging the gap between sales and marketing. And I know you guys don't have a presentation, uh, production, in-house production team. <laughs> I'll edit that later. <laughs> and um, and what we've built is a team that is able to connect these dots for you. Uh, we've done sales, we've done sales materials, presentation design, as well as keynote presentations. And I know you guys have a big conference coming up. It's getting into the October conference season. And what we're able to do is turn things around really, really quickly, make last minute edits as the sales team develops different, num- gets their numbers through. And we're able to do it um, 
in a, an efficient time manner. Cool. So, I mean, what did you <laughs> think went well there? What? Well, I'll tell you what I don't think went well, <laughs> which was the majority of it. Um, but I've never, so I guess I was using, so I was kind of using the structure of, um, of fundraising. I did this for a nonprofit. I was uh, like a fundraising and stuff. And what I was kind of doing in my head was like, you want to make them feel thanked. So I don't know if you use this, but I was using the sort of thank you for spending time with me sort of thing. But I think in this context, I don't, think that I think that maybe took away from it a little bit because I should I was probably taking up too much time especially when you're on the phone with someone yeah. um, so mm -hmm. I think I needed to jump in a little quicker and then also probably be a little more catered but I think maybe what worked was the personalization thing I guess maybe like because we are coming into conference season which is why I said that and um, maybe that'd be something to mention like a specific thing I know they have going on and then be like but we can help you with that if like mm -hmm. blah 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 so yeah, but I've never done something like that on the phone. So it's interesting because it was definitely felt different than how I would approach it in person for sure. Right. Generally, mm -hmm. if you're in person, they'll give you more time on the mm -hmm. phone because you're just a floating voice. It's more likely that they're going to... It's easier to say no, yeah. Yeah. And my honest feedback was that mm -hmm. it was like a bit wordy. Mm -hmm. I kind of found myself like losing focus midway mm -hmm. through that pitch. Um, and like I was saying earlier, in the same way that you had your initial pitch to me, be very Ghost Ranch centric. Mm -hmm. This was very, very Ghost Ranch centric. Yeah. Was, mm -hmm. Like I, there's a lot of advice out there that I completely disagree with where on cold calling, you should just like, just like give your best 15 second pitch and just say no, just move on. I completely disagree with that. Yeah. I want to make it about the person first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and frankly, you don't even know if that person is the right person to speak with. You don't even know if that person has the problems that you can solve. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know if the person cares. You don't know if they're in a bad mood or a good mood. If you just yeah. call them and talk the entire time, like the chances of success are pretty low in my mm -hmm. experience. So, multiple ways so yeah. yeah okay so something I would change I think to that and I know I want to hear yours too um but it would be like okay well I'm like my name's Molly I'm with Ghost Ranch Communications and I really want to talk about your sales and marketing teams and the materials that they're outputting and then see like is it like how much do you do this or like how much are you putting out a quarter how much mm -hmm. time do you spend on this like ask them questions like that that tease out like is this even going to be worth it for you exactly um, okay so I think that's how I would change that I'd be like that'll okay, be better and yeah. I think you're going to notice when I do my version of <laughs> our little role play here okay. that I'll incorporate some of those questions as well. So yeah, well, why don't we do that? We'll do the same role play, but you be me, I do you. Thanks for your free training, Lloyd. This is really helpful. <laughs> cool. You can send me a check. In yep. I was like, how much? This is like, well, yeah, we're taking an hour of your time to just like train me in sales. This is great. Exactly. Mikey will be so pleased. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, cool. Awesome. Okay. So I will. Ring, ring. Hello. Hey, is this uh, Molly from oh, what company do you want to be? Zane? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Meridian. <laughs> okay, cool. Hey, uh, is this Molly from Meridian? Yes. Who is this? Uh, good afternoon. My name is Lloyd. I'm actually calling from Ghost Ranch Communications. Um, I was actually just on your LinkedIn profile and your website. Really loving what you did with the website. Um, you're a product marketer at Ghost Ranch. Is it, um, at Meridian, right? Yes. Cool, cool. So 
Um, I was actually just doing a bit of research and I know that your sales team is quite large. And given that your website's branding looks really cool, I imagine you had a lot to do with it, or at least you and the product marketing team. Um, are, are you responsible at all for some of the collateral and some of the branding that your sales team comes to you with? Yeah, I, it's me and one other person. Honestly, we don't, you know, we, we try to outsource it sometimes because we don't have time mm -hmm. to do it. Okay, cool. Um, the reason why I'm asking is because I'm actually with a company that uh, is helping uh, other clients generate a lot better collateral that allows the sales team to close more deals and allows the marketing team to save a bit of time because obviously you're always thinking about how you can best make promotional materials. Um, you just mentioned that you're spending a lot of time uh, doing some of the stuff and outsourcing is occasionally a strategy that, would be, that you like to use. Um, why is that? What's up with the, the lack of bandwidth? Um, really, we just, I mean, we just don't have the budget to hire someone else right now in-house. So um, we just kind of, if we can't do whatever we can't do ourselves, we'll pass on little bits to other people. But um, I'm not sure if we'll be able to take on another vendor at this time. Is that what you guys do? or? Uh, so not necessarily. Um, why don't I give you a little, a little bit more color? I, I imagine you don't have a design team at the moment, right? No, that's correct. And whenever you're tasked with building more sales collateral, the salespeople just come to you and maybe you just put it in the queue of stuff that you have to do um, with you and your one colleague. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So essentially what we do is we actually generate all that collateral for you. So let's say your sales team is coming to you instead of you needing to spend all this time and building it yourself, we'll actually do it for you. Um, we're like almost like an outsourced sales collateral provider, if you will. But the benefit here really is that your sales team will access the new highly branded, very effective and beautiful collateral much quicker than if they needed to rely on you always. You will actually still have control because we're really working for you. Um, but you will also save a significant amount of time just because you don't need to worry about it yourself. And ultimately the sales team, the marketing team will just communicate a little bit better. So I definitely um, don't want to, you know, take up too much more of your time for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I wouldn't say that we're like another vendor just for design because we're quite focused in solving this particular problem. Um, is even making sales collateral important for you right now? Cause I don't want to be too assumptive. Yeah, it is. We've got um, a couple of things coming up that we that we definitely need some help with. But I just, yeah, um, if you could follow up with some more information, that'd be that'd be great. For sure. Sounds I, I'm noticing on your website that you're attending an event soon. Is, is it your own event or is it um, you're going to someone else? No, event? it's an industry conference. Okay. Do you need to make some collateral for that? Yeah, we're working on a keynote presentation, actually. Okay. Um, is that on schedule? Or are you finding that it's like a lot to do. Um, we're behind. Okay. Okay, cool. So once again, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You've already been super patient with me, but I think I can come up with a few ways that you can probably accelerate the creation of that keynote, make it more beautiful without you needing to spend too much more time. And I promise that it'll be very cost effective relative to what you're normally spending on it. Um, would that be valuable for you to learn more about? Um, yeah, if, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could just send on some more information, I'm not sure if we'll use it for this keynote cause we need someone that knows, um, our brand, but maybe in the future it'd be, it'd be useful. hundred percent. We can uh, definitely do that. So, uh, I have your email. I'm going to send it out to you, but why don't we touch base again? Um, it seems like the event is coming up in like a month and a half or so. So why don't we talk again next week? 
um, just quickly and I can talk about some of the details, but we'll just make it a tentative invitation because I know you're busy. Is that cool? Cool. cool. And then at this point, I'll talk a little bit more about logistics and I would just like hash that out. Yeah. And then would you set up like in that sort of situation, like where I'm like definitely interested, would you set up an introductory, not on the phone maybe, but you'd follow up to be like, hey, let's talk more about like um, another, you know, upcoming projects and stuff like that. I'll always try to put some time in the calendar. Yeah. Okay. Like assuming that's your takeaway, assuming you want a sales meeting, I will mm -hmm. always try to push for a sales meeting unless mm -hmm. I don't think that sales meeting makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Right? Like let's say they're not a qualified prospect. If I don't think they're a good fit, then I just mm -hmm. won't do it. Okay. But yeah. in this situation where they are, they are a good fit and they have these problems and they have an event. Okay. I do it, yeah. Wow. Okay. I wish I went second because now I feel like I've learned more. Um, but this is super helpful. And yeah, she, and like in that situation, I think that is a qualified prospect, I suppose. I've just been being like vaguely skeptical about taking on a new vendor. Yeah. And that's always going to be the reality of cold call because they don't mm -hmm. know who you are. But what helps is slowly building up your credibility by showing that you've done the research, right? Mm -hmm. um, you'll notice that my philosophy on cold calling is that I try to keep it super conversational. To me, if it's not a dialogue, I personally start falling asleep. This is just my own experience having been on the opposite end of the phone call. Yeah, like if so, you're just listening to a spiel. Yeah, like I can't do it. I can't do it. I have, like a, I have an attention span of like a fish. So for me, <laughs> if, if my assumption is that other people also have a very small attention span, then I need to be constantly engaging them with questions. But not just questions, because frankly, if you're a stranger and you start asking people questions, in their mind, they're going to be like, I don't owe you any answers. I don't know who mm -hmm. you are. Like, why? What have you done to deserve me telling you about the business? You mm -hmm. haven't done anything. So it's a combination of you being able to show that you've done your research through comments. For mm -hmm. example, I'll say like, hey, it seems like you're the product marketer. Are you like someone who's in charge of some of the branding on the website, which by the way is amazing. I know. Like, I liked, yeah, you complimented and then also showed that you like had done your research yeah. and weren't just randomly calling 18 people with the same thing. Exactly. And then you were like, can I, is it safe to assume that are you doing this or like, and then you kind of get an idea of what they need and are doing sort of. Mm -hmm. So whenever you can come into a cold call with some of those assumptions and maybe a little bit of complimentary behavior, you now earn the right to ask more questions, mm -hmm. right? Are you doing some of the branding for your sales team? Like imagine, think about the difference if someone just calls you and is immediately just saying, hey, Molly, are you in charge of making the website or making some of these keynote slides? In your mind, you're going to be like, who are you and why are you asking and why do I yeah, owe you? Yeah, it's like borderline creeped out or something. Exactly. Yeah. But if, if you give them the reason why you're reaching out and you mm -hmm. tell them some of the background that you've done, then you're, you're going to build a lot more trust and it allows you to buy a bit more time for yourself. Yeah. So at that point, you just kind of like move down the, the conversation, right? Okay. You validated that. Yes, they are the person that you want to be talking to. They're the product marketer. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. What's the next thing that you want to validate? Well, that they're the product marketer that's specifically in charge of the sales collateral and that they do care. Okay. You validated that. What's next? Well, they are currently seeing some problems with their collateral and they want to make it better. They care about it, but it's a problem. Okay. You've confirmed that's a problem. Let's move on. So you move on, you continue you down that path. Your way down the exactly. And eventually you get to the point where you can actually get them to confirm like, yes, learning about X, Y, and Z would be valuable to me. Maybe we should talk. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, I never at any point was like trying to say like, get Ghost Ranch or sit on a call with me. 
the way that I close sales calls or close cold calls at the minimum is like, well, if I was able to show you X, Y, and Z, would that be a value? Would that be valuable? Yeah. Would that be valuable? If they're saying no, then either I need to backtrack and try to figure out, okay, what's another thing that they care about or it's a bad fit and I just like get off the phone. Yeah. And that's fine. Right. Right. And how many would you say, like when you're doing cold calling, how many would you say are like, you know, that you end up hanging up with and is it like one in 10, one in 20? Uh, It depends on your list. Depends on your list. I guess that comes back to the research. Like, who are you calling? (laughs) calling? Because if you call like 10 people that are just not good clients, then then you shouldn't be booking meetings with them. Mm -hmm. You should be zero for 10 if you're calling 10 people that are bad fits. Yeah. Because not only, it's not just like, can you sell them? It's like, do you even want to spend your time? Think about Mm -hmm. your own time. Would you want to spend 30 minutes on a client that is not going to ever buy? No. Waste. Yeah. Yeah. Such valuable like prospecting insights because I think a lot of people would just struggle with that. And they're like sales, just jump in no matter what. And there's a strategy to jumping in, like whether it's cold call or networking or a presentation or whatever. And this is like super pointed advice. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Research is what matters most. And this is the same, no matter what channel you're in. If you're using email, be well-researched and be personalized. The more unique snippets that you can put in there based off of what you know is very, you know, one to one on that person that you're emailing, the better. And the same thing, if you're cold calling and you can show very quickly that you've done a lot of research into that company before you even cold called them, it's way more compelling. It's way more likely that someone's going to actually want to speak with you um, rather than any generic pitch. No matter the channel, if you're getting a generic pitch, you're probably going to have a decreased amount of results. I'd say that's a fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, as far as research goes, if someone's doing this, say, so I freelance marketing newsletters, right? And so the, that's what I do for Ghost Ranch, but um, I'm going to start trying to do it for other people. So mm-hmm. as far as research, like as someone else is listening as well, like just to do it a little bit like, you know, in a scrappy way themselves without um, not having the, the power to hire like a third party, like growth genius or something. What's like the first step you would do to just like do that little bit of prospecting? So it all comes back down to what your clients care about because the research that I'll do is probably very different than the research that you should be doing because mm-hmm. we sell to different people, yeah. right? So for you, I mean, if you're selling into marketing, then of course the research you should do a, is like, are they even the right fit? I would imagine product marketing is the best person that you can speak to. So make sure that they're even a product marketer. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy how many times I'll get emails relating to like web dev, like, do I need a coder? It's like, I'm in sales. Why are you <laughs> messaging me about coding? Right. It's yeah. not that the company might not need it because we are hiring for devs, but I'm the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And that he, that person has immediately, immediately lost all like, like there is no relationship that's going to be built yeah. at that point. You're not um, going to forward an email onto your, yeah, I'm not forwarding that email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the second thing is, like, are they likely to exhibit behaviors or signals that will be a good client? So for instance, we sell into small teams, ideally teams where there is no salesperson, right? So if I can research in advance and message the CEO, like, hey, I noticed that you're growing really quickly, but it seems like all your growth is based off of just your content on the website or yourself because it doesn't seem like you have a sales team. Can we help? So the research there was a, I looked at his website and it seems like he has a lot of content so I can tell 
oh, they're probably using that for lead gen. And B, I can look on their LinkedIn profile or their company LinkedIn page and they don't have any salespeople in their employees. So I can easily make those assumptions. No salespeople and they're probably relying a lot on content or that CEO is doing a lot of the prospecting himself, mm-hmm. right? So these are some inferences that you can make that for me anyways will dictate, oh, interesting conversation, likely fit. At the minimum, good enough potential that I should jump on a call with them. And if, I mean, if I find out that it's a bad fit, then it is what it is. But on the surface, it seems interesting, but it comes from that research. So for every company, it's going to be different. Think about what are the triggers though. If you're a recruiting agency, an obvious signal is, are they hiring? Do they have job postings? Um, If you're a web dev agency, if this company has like a very outdated website, clearly they could use your help, right? So that's a signal. As an entrepreneur or as a salesperson, think about your own clients and think about your own product. What are the signals that I should be researching? What are the signals? Who who should you talk to based on those signals? And what do your clients care about? Mm -hmm. That's what I just wrote down. That's right. These are very quotable statements, Lloyd. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're making your podcast transcript really easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. That's good to hear. Oh, it's great. Yeah, exactly. I was going to briefly talk about early bird careers, if you don't mind, since that's your own gig, it seems like. And um, yeah, like, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, with early bird careers, my goal is to help people of all ages, of uh, all experience levels, be more fulfilled in their career. And what that means is helping them land the job that they want, helping them make more money at the job that they want or already have. Um, There's a lot of parallels actually between sales and job hunting Mm -hmm. because in both situations, you're trying to uh, communicate with someone, show value and earn enough trust that they are trusting you themselves with work that needs to be done in exchange for money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but all, a lot of the times people are just very clueless when it comes to job hunting. They don't know how to find jobs. They're stuck doing the same old methods of creating a crappy resume and then posting it online. Um, they don't realize that they can leverage other strategies like social media and networking events and cold outreach. And they don't realize that they can maximize how much you're making by, uh, negotiating for salary and pre-planning for raises and other forms of compensation ahead of time. A lot of the stuff I did learn through selling because there's so many correlations, but really it came from when I was in university, not getting really any of the interviews that I wanted and deciding that, you know, just F it. I'm going to start just reaching out to people cold. I'm going to start networking. I'm going to do things that are not what I've been doing because what I've been doing hasn't worked. And I just kind of stumbled upon a lot of things that were getting me interviews at a rate, which I couldn't even imagine two months before just applying online, like sending out 50 resumes online and not getting a single interview. Sure. And then like in the span of one month networking, getting like 10 interviews at companies that I was actually trying to work for anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I uh, do on the side. Very passionate about it just because especially with the younger folks and the younger generations, and this myth that the job market is brutal. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, everyone gets a job, of course it's gonna be hard, but frankly, it's not that hard to separate yourself from the pack mm-hmm. if you don't do it. So 
That's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great mission. And how and just like how did you go about getting your very first leads? Like obviously you're good at this, you're a communicator connecting people to the right people. But how did you like did you just do it for a couple of friends and you're like, oh I'm good at this? Like how did that even happen? Yeah, I mean first it was just um, my friends knew that I liked this type of stuff and they would come to me and ask. And I wasn't really like charging them anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like now I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. LinkedIn happens to have like a very large collection of people that, looking, that are looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's like a multitude of options, just like cold messaging people on LinkedIn works. Um, I do a lot of content. I do video content on LinkedIn, which is going to generate inbound for me. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's lots of stuff. Frankly, I don't spend enough time on it and there's a lot of things that I can do way better on that business because um, mm-hmm. I'm balancing a few different things right now, obviously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But also like at heart, I'm more of a salesperson than a marketer. And frankly, I need to improve my digital marketing chops because there's a lot of stuff on the digital marketing side, SEO, um, content, the website, that mm-hmm. could be better. Um, I'm not the expert on that. So there's tons of things that can be done to make this uh, like right, a good yeah. out, yeah. Yeah, get to, yeah, expand your audience and stuff too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it fits in so well to Growth Genius in a way because I think it's sort of that connection with the right people. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, you're definitely like a, a successful communicator in that direction. So thank you. And so, yeah. Um, Lloyd, thanks so much for joining us. Um, such great advice and our conversations and then we can deconstruct and talk about them. Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely try to chat again in the future for sure. I'll work on mine and I'll, I'll be a little better. And I'm working on People say cold calling is dead. It's not dead.